Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. It is good to see you in the house this morning. You know, when I woke up this morning, I heard the Lord say, two is better than one because two have a greater reward for their work. Amen? And my wife and I are just a few days away from 30 years of holy matrimony. Amen? See, there are some things the enemy can never take away from you. Okay, and you say, what is that? Whatever you do for the Lord. Whatever you do for God, and it is so much better in life when you have people that you can serve together with and do what God has called us and each of us to do. Now, I want to tell you something that has nothing to do with the message, but I hit a game-winning Steph Curry-like three-pointer this week uh, from about 32 feet away. That is the truth, and I'm still feeling really great about myself uh, and all of my accomplishments this week. So uh, I just wanted to point that out to you. Uh, It's okay to have things in life that are vain to you, that doesn't matter to anybody else, and it just matters so much to you, you can't stop thinking about it. It's okay to enjoy your life. It's okay okay to have fun. It's okay to find things uh, that bring joy and laughter and happiness to your life. Amen? And so be sure along the way to have some fun in this life and enjoy the journey that God has given us because there's something you need to know about walking with Jesus. Jesus had enemies And if you walk by faith with Jesus, Pastor John, you're going to have enemies too. And we're going to talk today in Ezekiel 38 and 39 about the enemies that Israel had that surrounded them. And we're going to springboard from that into the Gospels and what Jesus has to say about enemies. Now, it's very interesting in the Bible, the Bible tells us to love our enemies And it's interesting that it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to have them. It is not possible to live this life of faith and avoid having enemies in this life. There are going to be people that are going to push against you. There are going to be things that are going to push against you. And the spiritual world is going to push against you and try to discourage you and try to get you to give up and try to get you to give out. And today, we're going to talk about facing the enemies of our faith. And so, I want to invite you to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device. And we're going to begin today in John 15, and then we're going to jump back into Ezekiel 38. And so, I want to invite you to share the service today, to be a virtual evangelist today. Uh, It is amazing what God uh, is doing in our midst. And I just want to give you a shout out that it's been about five years since we saw that many people at Easter weekend at our two locations. God is on the move. Amen. 
And I want to challenge you that God is working in people's hearts right now that were here last week, and we're going to see the fruit of it over the next 18 months. People are going to come to Christ. And you planted the seed. God is using your voice. God is using your life. Don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give in. If you keep showing up, God's going to show out. And I want to encourage you with that. Keep pressing in to who God has called you to be. Look at John chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus says this. If the world hates you, remember that it what? Somebody say it. Jesus said it hated me first. It's interesting how much we forget the challenges that Jesus had to face in all of his life. Yes, the crucifixion was the ultimate reality of that, but Jesus lived a counter-world life, and the world hated him for the life that he chose to live for God the Father. Now, how do we stand against the enemies of our faith? We begin today in Ezekiel 38.1. This is another message that came to me from the Lord, son of man, talking about Ezekiel here, turn and face Gog of the land of Magog, the prince who rules over the nations of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So what's happening here is God is saying, listen, I do not want you running from your enemies. I do not want you hiding from your enemies. I do not want you pretending they don't exist. Here's what I want you to do. And this is going to be the focus of our time today. I want you to turn and I want you to face them. I want you to accept the fact that if you are going to live a life of faith, you are going to live it with one constant at least, and that there is going to be enemies and oppositions and obstacles and things that are going to try to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. So stop running from the fears and the attacks and uh, stop asking this question, can it get any worse? The answer is always yes. Stop stop asking questions you don't want answers to, okay? When you say, can it get worse? The Lord's like, well, I'll just let you see. It can, okay? It can get darker. Stop complaining. Stop cowering. Stop giving in to the discouragement. So how do we stand against the enemies of our faith? Number one, you just turn and face them. You turn and face them. And it's okay to say, it's not unloving to say, I know that you don't like me. I know that you probably more than don't like me. I know that my life is a threat to you, and I know that you do not appreciate what I and who I am living for. I get that. And sometimes in our walks with the Lord, we need to say out loud to the Lord, Lord, I can't see all of my enemies because quite honestly, the spiritual world is is on fire with spiritual warfare and attack all the time. And the reality is I know that there are many things in the spiritual realm that are against me. And so God, I want you to know that I stand, excuse me, I stand with you and I understand that I have enemies just as Jesus did. 
So acknowledge their existence in your life. Get used to the fact that if you live for the Lord, you're going to face opposition. And Jesus says, look at John 16, 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Now, isn't it interesting? Jesus says, I've told you you're going to have enemies so that you can have peace. Huh. So get on with it. Get past the fixation of the opposition and get focused on what comes after you accept the reality of the life of faith. And you say, what is that? Peace. Peace. But as long as you are just turning and facing and focusing on the enemy and you're missing out on why God wants you to focus on the enemy. He doesn't want you to focus on the enemy so you can be discouraged. He wants you to acknowledge their existence so that you can have peace. Because here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Why? Because I've already won the game. Amen? I've already overcome this world. You say, well, why am I going through this? So that you can know what he already knows. Does that make sense? Why am I going through this? So that you can know what he already knows about you and about your life and about your calling and about your purpose. And the reality is faith is experiential. Trust is experiential. You grow in your faith and you grow in your trust through what you go through in life. And you can say to God, I don't want to go through this. I don't like facing this, but I'm going to go through this and I'm going to face this because I understand that on the other side of this, I'm going to have the understanding that you have. I'm going to have peace. God never goes without peace. But see, we do. We do. Circumstances greatly affect us. Opposition is inevitable. It's perpetual. But take heart, Jesus says, because he's overcome. He's already overcome. So whatever you're facing, see, God wants to give you an opportunity to learn something today. Whatever you're facing... Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Sometimes, yes, I white knuckle it, and I'm sure you do too. Sometimes I'm like, I hope he's greater than this. I hope he's greater than this. God said to David to say to Solomon in my devotions this morning, tell him, Be brave, take courage, do what I've called you to do. Don't be anxious, don't be frightened, don't be discouraged. Stay focused on me until all the details are complete. Stay focused until all the details are complete. Verse 3, give him this message from the sovereign Lord, talking about the enemies of God, Gog. What does God say to Gog? Tell Gog, I'm his enemy. 
See, when people touch what God has anointed about your life, and I want you to hear me say something that's probably very difficult to hear. There are going to be moments in your life when very godly people resist God's will for your life. And you have got to go on. And you have got to accept the fact that he will deal with that in his time. Not everybody who opposes you, by the way, is always, so to speak, you know, evil or, or trying to destroy your life like Peter with Jesus. Peter didn't want Jesus to die and Jesus had to look at Peter and say, get behind me, Satan. And Peter had to say, you know, it's kind of offensive, you know. I mean, we have walked on water together, right? And the reality is you have to come to terms with this. Godly people will from time to time, and ungodly people will from time to time, be in opposition to what God has asked you to do. And you have to come to terms with that. You have to wrestle through that. He says, and I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army, your horses, your charioteers, and full armor and a great horde armed with shields and swords. Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, they're going to join you too with all their weapons. Gomer and all its armies will also join you along with the armies. Beth to Garma from the distant north and many others. So how do you... Deal with the enemies of your life. Number two, you tell them God is their enemy. There are moments when you do, you ready? And everybody hates this in church. There are moments when you have to play the God card. God has asked me to do this. Oh, well, we can't stop you. No, listen, I'm not talking about sin. But there are moments in life when you have to play the God card and accept the fact that, that some people that love you very much may not understand what God has asked you to do. And you have to keep pressing forward regardless. God is coming after all of Israel's enemies, and you see them all in these verses, and there are many of them. Israel had a long grocery list of enemies, and by the way, they still do, they still do today. You know, the world hates Jews. Did you know that? It's very interesting, isn't it? We live in a world that hates Israel. And that has been all through time. That has been the case. This little country, no bigger than the state of New Jersey, God picked it to be its chosen people. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, listen, here's what your life is going to be like if you do what I ask you to do. You are going to feel like sheep among wolves sometimes. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Well, that's easier said than done, isn't it? For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. 
What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'm going to also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. This is Jesus talking. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. No, I came not to bring peace. Jesus says this, but a sword. Now, Ezekiel continues. Look at verse 7. Get ready. Get ready. Be prepared. Keep all the armies, armies around you mobilized. Take command of them. A long time from now, you're going to be called into action. In the distant future, you'll swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains. You and all your allies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm. And cover the land like a cloud. So how do you face your enemies? Number three, you get ready, you be prepared, you practice trust. The day I wrote this message, my devotions, I'm reading through the second time the, the message Bible. And Proverbs 21, 31 says, do your best, prepare for the worst, and trust God to bring victory. I love that. Do your best. Have you done your best? Yes. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes your best isn't going to be good enough. You go, well, that's all I got. Well, that's all you need to do. Do your best, but prepare for the worst. And then trust God to bring the victory. So you're going to do everything you can. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to see all the negatives and all the overwhelming things about your life. And this will be true of anything that you try to do with your life, by the way. You'll do your best, you'll fall short, you'll want to give up, but you go, but you know what, I'm going to trust the Lord because I believe I was supposed to do this, and so I'm going to wait on the Lord because the Bible tells us that if we wait on him, we won't be put to what? Shame. If we do what God asks us to do and we wait on God and we trust God, God is going to show up and he's going to show out. But we have to be patient with the process and don't we all love to be patient? No. Preparation in the future is dependent upon practice in the present. Think about that. Preparation in the future depends on practice in the present. So if I'm going to be ready for what's coming in my future, I have to choose to practice now what I believe that he has for me in my future. And so it's like, well, yeah, but I don't see any dividends. Okay, all right. I was watching, I think it was 60 Minutes. Maybe it was something else, I don't know. Uh, but I was watching this thing where they have like this 22-acre farm somewhere here in the United States, and I forget where now. And it's all made up of these disastrous scenarios that could happen in our world. And 
they asked the guy the question, well, why do you guys have to keep practicing? He said, because the scenarios keep changing and the, and the exper- expertise. And so like, for example, rescuing people from an earthquake, technology changes, equipment changes, and they literally have to take a jackhammer and practice what it's like for hours to hold this thing and to have the endurance to do what's necessary to accomplish the task at hand to save people's lives. And I was sitting there and I was thinking about it. I was like, wow. So these people go to work every day uh, and they practice to be prepared for the future. Huh. And that is the mindset that we have to have. The mindset that we have to have in our walks with the Lord is I've got to practice the things so that I can be prepared in the future for what God has for me in my future. Now, look at verse 10. God's going to speak to the enemies of his people. This is what the sovereign Lord says. At that time, evil thoughts are going to come into your mind. You're going to devise a wicked scheme. You're going to say Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I'm going to march against her. I'm going to destroy these people who live in such confidence. By the way, this is the way certain people may see you. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against God. Give him this message from the Lord, from the sovereign Lord. My people are living in peace in their land, and then you will rouse yourself. You'll come from your homeland in the distant north and with your vast cavalry and your mighty army. You're going to attack my people Israel. This is God talking to the enemy. You're going to attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. And at that time in the distant future, I'm going to bring you against my land as everyone watches. And my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, God. Then all the nations will know that I'm the Lord. So how do we face our enemies? Number four, you speak God's truth to them. You speak God's truth to them. See, when the enemy tempted Jesus, he just spoke God's truth to him. He spoke the truth of God's word. He spoke truth directly to the enemy. Now look at verse 22. I'm going to punish you and your armies with disease and bloodshed. I'm going to send torrential rain, hailstorms, fire, burning sulfur. In this way, I'm going to show my greatness and my holiness. I'm going to make myself known to all the nations of the world, and they'll know that I'm the Lord. So God's going to judge our enemies to show our enemies two things. The first one is his greatness, his sovereignty. And then the second one is his holiness, his purity. And so whenever God allows an enemy to attack you, it is so that God can reveal to them his sovereignty over their life. Isn't that interesting? God says, I'm going to let the enemies attack you. And while they're attacking you, I need you not to give up, give in, give out, get discouraged, get defeated, uh, you know, basically become full of anxiety and quit. What I need you to do is stand up under the adversity of your life 
And I need you to know that at my appointed time, I am going to show them who I am through what they've done to you. That's interesting. I'm going to show them that I'm sovereign not only of my people but of them as well, and I'm going to show them that I am holy, I am pure. So look at chapter 39. Son of man, prophesy against Gog. Give them this message from the Psalm Lord. I am your enemy. O Gog, ruler of the nations of Meshach and Tubal, and I'm going to turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel. I'm going to bring you from the distant north. I'm going to knock the bow from your left hand and the arrows from your right hand. I'm going to leave you helpless. You and your army and your allies are all going to die on the mountains, and I'm going to feed you to the vultures and the wild animals. <laughs> this, is, this is some tough stuff. You're going to fall in the open fields, for I've spoken, says the Lord, and I'm going to rain down fire on Magog and on all your allies who live safely on the coast, and then you're going to know that I'm the Lord. There's something you need to know here before we go any further. God is fully in tune and aware to the opposition of your life. He sees it, he's aware of it, and he's at work to deal with it. And so here's something you need to do. God is saying to each one of us, take your hands off what you care about, the injustices of your life. Take your hands off of it. Take your eyes off of it and put your hands and your eyes on what I care about. And if you'll care about what I care about, I will care about what you care about. Amen? I had this thought this week and I shared it with John on Tuesday. Money can insulate you from everybody's problems, but your own. Think about that. And if you choose to use money to isolate you and insulate you from all the other people that God wants you to minister to, I got news for you. It will not rid you of your problems. It will multiply them. It will multiply them. And even though King David, yes, he was not a perfect man. But at the end of his life, you know what he was doing with all of his wealth? Leveraging it for the future kingdom of God. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. We live in a world where it's like I want to amass stuff for myself so that I can have this life that I know that I'm going to enjoy so I can insulate myself from the things I don't like and you're going to miss out on God's calling on your life. In this way, I'm going to make known my holy name among my people Israel. I'm going to not let anyone bring shame on it. And the nations too will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I've declared it. See, if you don't get anything else, get that today. Everything is going to happen 
just as he declared it. You want to know what power looks like? That statement right there. Do you know how much in my life has turned out like I've declared it? Oh, my soul. Those are the worst moments of my life. It's going to go just like this. Okay. All right. All right. I've, this is the life. This is the marriage. This is the family. Oh, okay. All right. Principle number five, you've got to trust God to act at his appointed time. Don't get tired of waiting on God to the point that you try to do his work for him. My devotions yesterday, 1 Chronicles 16.33 says this, God is on his way to make everything right. That's authority. Verse 11, and I want to make a vast graveyard for Gog and his hordes in the valley of the travelers east of the Dead Sea. It will block the way of those who travel there and they will change the name of the place to the valley of Gog's hordes. You know, it's interesting about this, and I don't know the significance of it, to be honest with you, but I've been to the Dead Sea. I've, I've been in it. I floated in it. It's like, I think, 70% saline, you know, 70% salt, 76, something like that. And the moment you get in it, you, you know if you have a little cut anywhere on your body, you're aware of it the moment you get in. Healing begins the moment you get in, right? And it's so strange to float in a uh, body of water. Uh, but you do. There's so much salt in it that you don't even have to swim. You just, you literally sit on top of this stuff. And it is, I don't know if you know this, but the Dead Sea is the lowest point on planet Earth. It is literally and physically below sea level. And it's interesting here that in this passage that he chooses the lowest place on earth to say, I'm coming for you. You can't hide. You can't get away from me. And this feels a lot like Psalm 139. Behold, if I make my bed down there, he knows where I'm at. Verse 12, it's going to take seven months. And I, fi I find this very curious. It'll take seven months for the people of Israel to bury the bodies and cleanse the land. I mean, think about it. We're in April. Can you imagine going all the way through July and all you do for seven months is bury bodies? This is crazy stuff. This is very specific stuff. And listen to me, there are times when God wants to get our attention and when he wants to get our attention, he will use very specific timelines and moments. Everyone in Israel will help for it will be a glorious victory for Israel when I demonstrate my glory on that day, says the sovereign Lord. So number six, you've got to trust God to show up 
and show out. See, when God judges the enemies of our lives, he shows his glory. And the difficult part about this, the Bible says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay, well, as you turn and face your enemies, it is very difficult to maintain a humble posture when you feel like someone is trying to destroy your life. So look at verse 25. So now, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to end the captivity of my people. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have mercy on all Israel, for I jealously guard my holy reputation. They'll accept responsibility for their past shame and unfaithfulness after they come home. He's talking about the people of God to live in peace in their own land with no one to bother them. When I bring them home from the land of their enemies, I'm going to display my holiness among them for all the nations to see. Then my people will know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them away to exile and brought them home again. And I'll leave none of my people behind. Thank you. I'll never again turn my face from them for I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. So the last principle, trust God to restore you in the face of your enemy. Trust God to restore you in the face of your enemy. With a twist. Jesus said, while you were yet what? I like the King James Version, Tom. Enemies. While you were enemies of me. Jesus said, I died for you. So here's the thing. Turn now from facing your enemies and turn and face Jesus and say to him, you ready? Forgive me for being your enemy. Forgive me for being one of them. Because we've all been. We've all been enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And the reason why God wants us to love our enemies is because that's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. You say, well, what about those enemies that refuse to ever accept his love? I just showed you what he's going to do with them. That's what the Old Testament teaches. That's what the New Testament teaches. That's what the book of Revelation teaches. That's what the whole Bible teaches. It's not God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. This is God of the Bible. And see, what's different about our enemies in the New Testament is that Jesus came to say, all of you are my enemy. But I love you. And I've given myself for you. And I invite you to give yourself to me. And see, when you turn and you face Jesus and you realize that you're the enemy in the passage, right? 
first and foremost. Then you do business with God and ask him to cleanse you. And then, listen, if you belong to Jesus, then the only enemies you have are his enemies. And he'll take care of them. That's the promise. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word. This is the word of God. And we can all come up with our ways of how we would do it different. But we ain't God. And we can't make the statement, everything I've declared will happen as I said it did. We can't make that statement. Oh, we can make it, but we're just being foolish. Because any of us that have lived any length of time know that's so far from the truth about the story, the pericope of our lives. Yeah. And Lord, we come to the altar. We come to the foot of the cross and we say to you, forgive us for being your enemies. And now protect us from our enemies. And give us the courage to stand and to watch you at your appointed time show yourself to be sovereign over the whole world and over the entire human race. You're a holy God. And when you act, and this is what's beautiful about you, when you act, you act perfectly. And so whatever judgment that you want to bring, It'll be brought perfectly. And so we trust you with the stories of our lives at your appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.